Can everybody hear me? Can I get some thumbs up emojis? There we go. All right, excellent. Uh, thank you everybody for uh, for coming to uh, this call in uh, episode. And this is it's kind of a wrap up of um, I'm hoping it will be anyway a wrap up of, of both the Loudon story and the uh, the piece that I ran on. Um, on Monday, that was uh, entitled "The Democrats' Education Lunacies Will Bring Bring Back Trump." Um, that was prompted. That piece was prompted by a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, watching a, an interview with Nicole Hannah Jones on Meet the Press, uh, but more importantly, um, a story uh, I had spotted uh, last week. Uh, that in U.S. News and World Report that was called Biden White House Works to Boost Parent Involvement as GOP Scores um, as GOP Scores Points on Education. And uh, as noted in the article, uh, they essentially had the Education Secretary, Miguel Cardona, give out a statement uh, talking about how parents' voices are critical to the, the success of our education system, they are children's first and most influential teachers, and uh, as the story pointed out, this was, um, the U.S. News story pointed out, uh, this was in response to uh, some poll numbers that um, showed, I think it was an ABC News poll actually, that showed that um, what had been a, a 20 point advantage at the beginning of the year for Democrats on the education issue had shrunk to seven points. Now, you'll see varieties of, um, of, of those results replicated all over. Uh, the edge for Democrats got as, uh, as big as 30 points at some junctures, um, and it's dropped to as close as two or three points in recent months. Uh, and so there's clearly an element of the, De- of the Democratic Party that is concerned about the perception that parents are being left out of the process or being muscled out of, um, of, of the education uh, policy, and they're counteracting it with statements, but the, the point of the column I, try, I tried to write was that um, that's probably not going to work until it's it's matched by um, some change policies on the ground, and the the arrow is pointing uh, in a different direction there. So, with that, um, let's let's open things up, and I, uh, I'll uh, I think we'll start with uh, Jake. Hopefully. Are you there? Jake, you got to unmute yourself. No? Okay, let's try Free Assange. Chris. Are you there? I am. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Hey. Hey, what does TK stand for? I've never figured that one out. <laughs> so uh, it's a, it's an old um, uh, type uh, typesetting uh, uh, notation. So, and only old school uh, journalists will, will will recognize it. But 
basically, um, once upon a time when you were uh, designing a, a newspaper page, when you didn't know yet what you were going to put in the space for a headline, you would write like headline TK, or if you were editing a piece and you didn't know what the quote said yet, it would say quote TK, 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 TK. Um, and it stands for to come, even though it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's spelled wrong, but the whole point is to make is, is that it's two letters you don't see next to each other very much. And, and the idea is that editors won't, they won't leave it in there by accident. Um, when they, when they deliver the page to be actually published. So I, I had, when I was planning the site name, I, I had, you know, in memos to, to, to other people and to myself, I put site name TK. And then I, when it came time to actually name it, I just left TK. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, another fun one real quick. I think we need a Taibi drinking game again soon. It's mm. been a little while. We need, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting old for that. You have some suggestions? Uh, I know state of the union's coming up in a few. Oh, weeks, that's so true. Probably, yeah. Probably that one will be the next one, but. I don't know if you're doing anything New Year's. Maybe make something a little more pop culture, less political. For yeah. New Year's if you're just sitting around and we make fun of uh, of uh, the ball dropping or something, something <laughs> dumb. Well, or st- st- State of the Union will be funny. I think. I think. I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, try 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 to guess which cliches they drop on that one. Will will be fun. Yeah, for sure. I. Uh, one other thing, and then I'll, I'll get to the subject matter. But the, uh, do you think somebody filled in Biden yet on what "Let's Go Brandon" means? Because he clearly didn't know the. Other day. <laughs> yeah, Katie and I talked about that the other day. Um, I I don't know how I don't know how it could be possible that he doesn't know. Uh, so he I I think he either froze in the moment and didn't know how to handle that. <laughs> or um or he forgot uh both of those things are still pretty scary though like you yeah. know uh the, the idea that the president doesn't know what that means is is pretty is pretty like if they're keeping that from him that's pretty messed up i would say uh so uh, yeah yeah it says it says something <laughs> for sure for sure um anyway so yeah to the subject at the top, you know, and Democrats and education, I've been a, a proponent of like Common Core, which has kind of fell fallen off of of discussions, but um, or it certainly isn't the prevalent discussion in in American uh, K twelve education talks these days. But you know, the Democrats seem to be losing in poll numbers on everything, but on this one, I don't know exactly what it is. I don't, is CRT really that big a thing? I know that's something that you've written about, uh, and especially around Loudoun County. Is that nationally, like, something that's significant? Is that why you think Democrats are losing on polling there, or is it just because they're weak and they don't have a message and they're not fighting really on anything for K-12 education? They really have no excuse me, they really have no stance from what I can tell on how to make our education system work better for, for kids and get better outcomes. And we, we have a not great K-12 education system. There are places around the world that we can look to like 
Finland, for example, that are doing really well with that. And I think, you know, there's a, a hesitancy in this country to follow any Scandinavian model for anything. But uh, right. I, I don't, I guess, what do you see as the reason for the, the fall in poll numbers is exclusively yep. the CRT stuff or, or, or what? What's your. So I. I think it's a combination of uh, ultimately three things, uh, and and the first you you alluded to, which is just that schools are kind of a mess. They they, they don't perform very well, and, and and this is something I was trying to stress in the Loudon series, which is that you know when I when I talk to parents before any of them got to any of the CRT stuff or any of the, you know, the more headline-grabbing issues, there were, there were usually, like, long complaints along the lines of, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming home from work, I'm tired, and I'm having to teach my kids to do stuff that they should have time to be getting to in the six hours or seven hours a day they have my, my kid at school. Um, that you've, you have, especially, like, working moms who are, you know, teaching long division, I'm sorry, or multiplication tables or spelling. Um, I had a math teacher talk to me about how he had to teach a a fifth grader long division uh, because the, uh, his son had learned it twice. Um, both and, and, Neither time had it set in. One of those times, by the way, was the common core method. Um, And so you start off with this, that people feel like schools don't work. They're not delivering a whole lot of bang for their buck. Some of this has to do with, like, the watering down of standards, like the lack of grades, um, tests being depreciated, the lack of rigor. And they blame Democrats for that more than they blame Republicans um, even though some of that does trace back to, to some other programs like, you know, No Child Left Behind. But mostly, I think Democrats get a lot of the blame for that. Um, and then then you get to um, the second problem, which is that there are a lot of truly zany ideas. Now, you mentioned CRT, and I, I, I'm really hesitant to use the word, even though I think it does apply in a lot of cases. But, um, you know, the most recent iteration of what, what they're really talking about is, is equity politics, which uh, I think a lot of old school liberals confuse for equal opportunity um, or equality. And what they're really talking about is fixing disparities by <laughs> numerical disparities by just sort of making the numbers fit. So if we have 7% um, African Americans in in a county, then they should be seven percent of the gifted uh, program. Uh, you know that that's sort of the idea. Um, that and that's a very different approach to the old idea of like let's level the playing field. Um, let's let's have a, a race blind system, a truly race blind system. I mean, I mean it's ironic because I I used to. For some other stories that I've done, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to NAACP lawyers who went through great trouble and um, even personal danger to get race out of the law. And now there are all these efforts in places like Loudoun to reintroduce it. 
into public policy um, in, in ways that are that are new. Uh, but it's, it's, it's stuff like that. And the, you know, there, there, there's some truly nutty stuff in there. Like in Loudoun, the, the, this equity ambassador program they were thinking about doing where they they wanted to recruit non-white only kids, uh, to be, um, essentially anonymous informants to the school administration. And it, they wanted to have a network of such people all around the, the school system to, to inform on, uh, the use of slurs and that sort of thing. Now, I get wanting to combat slurs, but but raising people to have positive ideas about sort of you know that kind of secret policing and spying is is really weird to do to, to do with kids. Um, and then there's the things like you know uh, uh, punctuality and the written word are white supremacy culture. Like this, this stuff is really bizarre. Um, so when people are exposed to it, they react negatively. That's thing too. And then the third thing is when there's a complaint about it, um, the reaction is, is to point fingers at the complainers. And if they're not calling them racist, what they're doing is they're, is they're doing what Terry McAuliffe did and essentially saying, you know, parents had, you know, should stay out of it. Right. And that is a huge political loser. Um, you, you, you can go back to the days of intelligent design. Um, and that was an instance when the, the experts were right, you know, uh, to say this is ridiculous. They shouldn't be taught in school. Probably, uh, but, um, the way they did it, by pulling, you know, you had all these people from Harvard and, and Columbia pulling rank and saying, you know, you, you, you hicks don't know what you're doing. You should stay out of this. This is for the professionals. Um, that just doesn't go over very well. And, and especially in the, you know, now I know that's a long winded answer, but that it, it's, it's this, it's this idea that school, schools don't work. The ideas are crazy. And then pulling rank uh, on people when they complain, I, I think that's just, that's a losing combination, and, and, and especially telling parents that they, they shouldn't, they don't have a place in it. I think that's, that's a political suicide. I just don't see that coming out of, like, Biden or any national Democrats. I mean, they just don't talk about it, so I don't fully understand why, you know, they're getting a blame for it. Not that the Democrats are great. I'm not here to say no, Democrats well, at all. I just, you, you did hear it from McAuliffe. Um, okay, you did. That's yeah, great. and 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 <clears throat> some of the crazy crazier ideas, you know, like built this whole idea of like let's do away with um, what people might loosely call like merit based admissions. You know, Bill Bill De Blasio is leading leading the charge there, uh, and and you know, there, there's you've seen a pretty pronounced Ross Barkan, the reporter, talked about this. That there's been a pronounced drop in support by Asian voters um, for Democrats in New York because of that, uh, because you're seeing a lot of sort of Korean, you know, uh, middle class Koreans who, who have been leaning on their kids to, to try to get them into Bronx science, and now suddenly they can't uh, in the same way. It's like a, you know, it's a randomized system. You know that uh, stuff like that is is going to take a toll. I mean, there there are there are a lot of different demographics that just don't um, aren't going to do well with that. 
just if I could, one more thing, if you don't mind, if you need me to drop off, I can't let somebody else speak. That's but good. Um, my experience with the education system, obviously, is it's anecdotal, but uh, my dad was involved in the school district here in, in the suburbs south of Denver. I'm in Denver now, but uh, and in a push to get charter schools allowed in that district. Um, and I know charter schools are a trigger for a lot of people. And uh, I think that, you know, when business comes in and, and things get uh, dollarized, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that's a big part of why charter schools have failed. The charter school that my dad helped create back in the early 90s is still a school today. And that school is the top performing school in the district and has been every year since its inception in the 96, 97 school year. Um, And what they do is a common core and they send kids home and there's ability level grouping. I think one of the other things that I wanted to throw out there and and get your response to is ability level grouping. There was for a long time a push about kids' self-esteem and, and, but we live in a, we live in a competitive world and you know, from my perspective, when I was in classes that were not ability ability level grouped, I got bored and I dicked off and I caused, uh, you know, problems in class because I was talking to my friends. I was, you know, not doing what the teacher asked because I was right, bored. Right. And, and so I think a big part of, of, of the solution, in my opinion, to the education, the K-12 education system that or the failures of the K-12 education system are ability level grouping and common core, which is where they have succeeded at this school. They have, and obviously again, it's anecdotal, but they are endlessly the top school in the district. And it's not a small district. It's, it's, you know, tens of thousands of kids in the district. I forget the numbers anymore, but, um, so I, I find that to be part of the big problem is that we can't have, we get stuck on this CRT thing and, and like these, these culture war bullshit, excuse me for cursing, but this culture war crap. And, and, and that's what I see CRT as is, is another culture war thing that obfuscates from the real issues, which is, are we challenging kids? Are we making them learn things? Are we sending them home with like 20 math problems to dwell it into their heads every night so that they understand and their parents don't have to do the, uh, teach them long division or give them, you know, go over times tables with them. I yeah. guess that's a long-winded thing. No, no, I, that's, that's cool. It's Chris, right? Is your name? That's right. Yeah. So I'm gonna uh, yeah, I'm gonna move on to the next person, but as I do, I'll, I'll just quickly address that. I I I, I, I do think the, uh, the 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 CRT is related to that, though. I mean, like in a very very loose way, or maybe even not so loose. Like in the Loudon example, like they they were so desperate to avoid tracking um, that they had kids of wildly varying abilities all taking the same math class through their sophomore years in high school because they didn't they, they, they were trying to avoid uh, showing statistical dis- disparities in what kinds of students were in what class and as a result, you know, you had a whole bunch of kids who were sitting in class basically not learning a whole lot, and that is related to to equity politics. Now, it's 
it's not a direct thing, but it's definitely part of it. And 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 this is this is why it's frustrating for me when I when I read like the Washington Post and I see the complaints described as oh parents don't want to they don't want to have schools teach about slavery or learn about racism or promote racial or social justice. Uh, it's actually much more idiosyncratic than that. And the the issues with the sort of equity portion of the program don't have to do with what they're being taught in history class. It has to do with stuff like that. But anyway, thanks for the question. I'm going to move on to the next person. And, Thank um, you. Yep. All right. Take care. Uh, I think Eric is next. You there? Eric? Uh, yeah, there? I'm here. Great mm-hmm. to talk to you today, Mr. Taibbi. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming out, Eric. I appreciate it. Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I am a fellow half Filipino, half uh, white person. <laughs> that, that's there are there is a, a growing no, growing number of us. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. That's great. That's great. Mom I or know. dad is Filipino. Oh sure, and my my yeah, my mother's Filipino, and um and then okay, one more thing, a crazy thing I have to mention is that. Um, I was at the Bernie Sanders rally and I saw you um, in Virginia. It was. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, so I, I actually I have a selfie with you, but you were interviewing somebody else. So I never got to talk to you. But. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. So it's uh, it's really cool that you use this uh, call in app to you know reach out to crazy people like me who are fans. But, you know, long time. What am I? Long time. Long time listener, first time caller. So yeah, I know. I love. I love that. This is uh, no. I think this is fun. I think I, no, I'm starting to get into it. So uh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so the thing I wanted to bring to the table, perhaps, because um, I know the previous caller mentioned culture war, and I think we have this tendency, I maybe in political debate, to say, well, well, it's just culture. It's just culture war. It's just oh, you know, therefore it's illegitimate, or therefore it's uh, uh, not important. Um, therefore it's just something you should ignore but I, I think culture you know a, a lot of things can go into a, a culture I mean not to talk like a sociologist but you know the law for example is part of the culture so mm-hmm. um, I think you know this is all very important I don't think this is a, t- a tempest in a teapot and that people try to minimize this by saying it's just CRT and you know well CRT is a, just a legal theory in law school so you know that's the tiniest minimization of the issue but really it's not just CRT it's an, the whole expanded issue I believe it was what Christopher Rufo himself said which was that like if you imagine like liberals going crazy you call it CRT then then I, I'd say I've succeeded in in branding it's a branding right exercise, right right um what, did I get that quote right do you, do you know what I'm talking about yeah no I know what you're talking about he said something like that yeah exactly yeah, and, you know, kudos to him, I guess. But in any case, but there are serious issues with, you know, not just CRT, but with the expanded, you know, universe of CRT, which doesn't just include race, it also includes gender in a huge way. And I'm wondering if you've um, thought or written about that. Um, gender, you know what? I ha- I, I really haven't. Um, it's a huge you know, factor. Because, yeah. uh, for example, these the Loudoun County School, you know, right, um, it's the I don't I mean the sex crime that took place in the in the girls' bathroom. I don't know if you, you right. know, that, that story. That's part of it because what it is. I mean, you go to a school board meeting and you find out about these crazy policies that your public school has. So let me let me share one for example in um, 
in uh, in California that I learned about because um, I'm a you know I was a law student and I took a course on free speech in schools and one of the things mm-hmm. I discovered in my research, you know, um, is you know that there's the the student speech rights, there's the parental speech rights, there's the teacher speech rights, there's the district speech rights. Um, uh, but one current policy, for example, in California, um, is that. If a child um, wants to change their, uh, wants to identify as the other sex, as a trans, uh, identify as trans, um, they they can work with the school. They can they have a specific form for this that they can socially transition at the school, and they can um, have a new name, and they can go on like overnight trips and you know do other things like that, um, the bathrooms and the lockers and all that. They can do all that, um, but they will keep it a secret from the parents. Because right. the child can put on a form, I'm unsafe in my uh, in my uh, situation, and you know you can understand where that's coming from, right? It's a fear of suicide. It's a fear of ostracization. Um, that's you know we all it's all widespread that we know um, about that happens to children who are uh, gender nonconforming. And you know I'm gay myself, um, so I, I think about this from a, I, perhaps a unique perspective because I can remember you know when I was younger and it was like. You know, my mom would tell me, like, oh, gay people, it's just they think they're a woman or something. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> wow. And, you know, it's like uh, that type of thing. Like, yeah, we were watching a movie and there was a gay guy on screen. She's like, oh, he thinks it's a woman. It's like, uh, how, how can a child figure that out? You know, that's one issue is with, um, because there is this widespread belief amongst, like, you know, uh, a lot of these teachers who are, you know, pushing, you know, it's the same kind of uh, very, uh, What can you say other than that, you know, I think about what it means to be a leftist, you know, if you want to think of a good definition of that word. And I think for me, it means that somebody who believes that there's this thing called the Overton window, right? Um, And no matter what, you have to push it left. And, you know, that means that they take in whatever situation, as long as we push it left and then whatever we average out, you know, maybe it'll average out, right? Because the society is already so right wing to begin with. So. You know, and that, like I say, um, society is already very right wing to begin with. So you can see it's it's a somewhat it can be thought of as somewhat a reasonable position, in my opinion. I mean, American society, but right. um, but in any case, you know, the assumptions of that, though, because you know, well, what are the implications of that? Is that, um, for example, if a child is feeling suicidal because of their gender dysphoria, um, a parent's not going to know. Uh, right. Uh, that the child has a suicidal feeling, and then I don't know if you saw. There was actually a clip where this lady was screaming. She was saying, "Like, you know, you let my child do all this stuff, and you didn't even tell me she was feeling, you know, having psychological issues. Um, you didn't even tell me." Uh, and then, and then, to, what she described was this situation. But I thought was very, um, you know, it really struck me because, you know, I'm a very open-minded person. I watch every news clip or whatever, and I, but I, you know, I try to think about what it's like to be that person. And she is a, a woman, and she said that um, in while they were having this meeting where um, where there was the teacher who was running like the GSA um, uh, or whatever the and she was like screaming you had your arms around my child you know telling me you know about my child and um, it's just kind of you know they, there's so many assumptions there because um, it really struck me because it's like uh, why are we assuming that a school administrator or a teacher, or really any other institution would know better about a child than the child's, well, you know, yeah, parents. Exactly. And also, why would we assume that a child's parents can be abusive, but not a school administrator? Um, right. Or 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 incompetent or incompetent. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think I get I get the gist of what what your 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 question is. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that pop up, but 
um, that popped up as, as you were talking that I, that I thought you know might be worth getting to first is this whole idea of like oh this is a tempest in a teapot um, you know this is just this is just culture war stuff and and that that has tended to be I, I think it's a propaganda technique because what's actually what's actually going on in a lot of these schools is is a pretty radical change in approach it, at least it looks like to me I mean I haven't been covering education my whole life so I I, I, I don't know but this idea of moving from let's strive as best we can to get race out of the law and have race neutral law and um, and race neutral policies uh, and then let's now let's replace it with this new conception of equity which is which is very much based on the thinking of people like Ibram Kendi, uh, which, which basically says that if there are disparities, they are automatically the result of discrimination. It must be caused by structural bias. Therefore, we, we have to actively intervene um, to fix those disparities uh, and we ha- and we have to understand that those disparities are are racist uh, or system- systemically biased, um, and that's that's a big change. In other words, the, the the switch from from you know trying forever to make sure that a county like Loudon that like once forced black kids to go through an admissions process just to be in school, um, you know. N- now we're going to return race to the law in a place like that and and make it part of the consideration for like let, let's say the gifted admissions program because because of this belief that we have that society is systemically racist and the only way to fix it is through, is through this you know putting our thumb on the scale method of correcting the, the the wrong and that's connected to the trans issue that you're talking about i mean I, I i hate talking about this issue because it's so like laden with uh <laughs> with the the probability of of uh of, of getting um, um into some kind of controversial situation but in, in loud in any way it became a proxy for this this larger question about uh the the role of parents, right? So this, so what you were talking about um, in the speech rights thing is also true and loud. And like the, the the parents do not have to be informed of uh, changes if a, if a child believes uh, himself or herself to be uh, gender fluid, and the reasoning behind that is 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 tied to that same concept of. You know, we we make the assumption that parents are part of the same system of systemic oppression that necessitates, um, you know, the end of race-blind gifted admissions, right? And that's pretty radical thinking. That's not, that's not that's not a small thing. It's not a tempest in the teapot. That's a that's a sweeping major change in how we think about a whole range, range of things. things. And so I, I think that's very true. And I'm sorry if I could jump no, in a little. I think when a lot of sort of, um, for lack of a better word, when a lot of unsophisticated people say that, call that Marxism, um, but because, you know, because you can say, for example, Karl Marx, no, 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 Karl Marx was a a critic of capitalism from the 1800s, so 
But what people, I think what a lot, what, you know, because I listen to some right-wing people talk, you know, and it's not necessarily the most educated or people, but what I hear that come up again, which is that I think their conception of what it means to be Marxist, quote-unquote, is that you believe in systemic oppression at every um at every level like that. And that if it's gender systemic oppression, but also economic systemic oppression. So I don't know if that's kind of, you know, because I think about like, well, what, what do we talk about when we talk about Marxism? Like there's a, you know, I'm a Marxist insofar as I'm a critic of capitalism, right? But um, mm-hmm. that's another thing where it's like, we have to face these head on because we can't shy away from talking about these crazy uh the things that are in, I mean, there's no limit to what people are talking about anymore, I, I, in my opinion, these days. And the, and the, um, yeah. Just to cut in there quickly, it, it's funny that you bring that up because in, in Loudon, there was a p- part of what triggered the whole mess with, um, there was a, there's a, a member there named Beth Bartz, and then there was the creation of a, <clears throat> of this closed Facebook group called the, I, I think it's like the anti-racist parents of Loudoun County or something like that. Um, they were created in part because there was a mailer that was sent out by somebody that uh, says um, uh, Loudoun County Public Schools has recently teamed up with an extremist organization to teach your children to hate you. And it has like a hammer and sickle uh, emblem. And then it says, um, you know, this is a Marxist wolf in sheep's clothing that's set out to subvert your children. Uh, and I think you're right. It's it's kind of a misread because, uh, at least in the case of Loudon and the equity assessment they went through, some of the principles that they were espousing were actually in opposition to classic Marxist doctrine. Like, they, 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 they considered it kind of a microaggression to... Uh, even think about class as an explanation for, let's just say, like you know, poor academic performance. It, like everything had to be race based, um, according to to these to these people. So it's not classical Marxism. In some ways, it's it's like kind of the opposite in some ways, and it's a definition that doesn't fit. I don't think if, if that makes sense. Yeah, and something else you mentioned as well is with the systemical idea um, is that. Uh, um, I think there's this weird, um, it's the fetishization of science insofar as the sort of liberal elites or, you know, the liberal, I mean, you know, whatever you would call this cross-section of people who are maybe um, pushing uh, the CRT. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's, there's sort of, they, they relate things in the, they, they, they systemically um, analogize things. So say, for example, the science, they would say something like the science is in. We know the earth is round. We know vaccines work. And we know that um, if we don't have this particular policy, that children will kill themselves, you know, and it's like those are three different statements that are, you know, truth claims right. have to be evaluated in their own right. But then it's like, well, hold on. We don't actually know as much as, you know, and it sort of it sort of um, uh, makes you think, uh, well, yeah. So <laughs> and then uh, so in other words, yeah, you're a conspiracy theorist, no matter what, I guess, if you're on the other side, even if there's. Right. Right. No, it's a good comment, Eric. I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little more about that as I move on. But th- but thank, thank, thanks, th- uh, thanks for the question. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, on that, um, it's it's interesting because the this whole, like, we know the science, we're the experts. Uh, if you talk to, you know, older teachers, 
what they'll tell you is, um, and, and I haven't been doing this for that long, but, you know, I seem to be getting the same response from people a lot, which is sort of ideas come and go. Some of them are well-meaning, but when you try to apply them um, on this mass scale, it almost inevitably gets screwed up at the class level uh, or at the school level. Um, it's it's just impossible to administer very, very sophisticated ideas um, in this blanket fashion. And the, you know, the, the, the more you do that stuff, the more you're, you're going to, you're turning away from what works in schools, which is giving teachers a lot of autonomy, autonomy to, to get through to their, their students. And this, this, um, this kind of like arrogant belief that like we, we know it all, um, and we have the solution and we're going to apply it to the schools. I think people, in addition to being put off by the arrogance, they just, they, they have a, um, a familiarity with how, how often that hasn't worked in the past, and that's what they're reacting to. But anyway, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. I'm going to um, move on, I think, to Paul now. Paul, is, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, can I can. you hear me? Yeah, I can, yes. Great. I can, yeah. Hey, uh, <clears throat> first, before I say anything, uh, just uh, wanted to give you belated thanks for the uh, Loudoun County Expose that oh, you did um that four-part series uh was quite impressive and i do have a question about that i know this discussion is declining poll numbers for yeah. democrats yeah. on education but i do have a question going back to loudon county mm-hmm. have um and i don't know how to say this properly but ha- have any democrats of consequence reached out to you for a better understanding of what you unearthed in that expose, or have they just completely ignored it? Uh, yeah, no, the answer to that is no. I've gotten, I've gotten some flack from people, um, and some criticism from other people in the field, but, um, no, not so much. You know, what's interesting about that is that, um, especially when I, when I used to cover wall street, it it was not uncommon for for me to get calls from staffers um in congress uh sometimes they would just be asking for advice on like what well, you know where do i find this or that or what what's a good way to look at this question or that um but you know i i, I never hear from democrats anymore very occasionally i'll hear from you know some, a handful of politicians about some things but not in this one well, that's that's very interesting because it's kind of funny that you mentioned Wall Street because I, I don't take this the wrong way. You mm-hmm. and I are about the same age. Uh, I had never heard of you until somebody <laughs> slapped me across the head and said, you need to read about vampire squids. <laughs> and I said, you know, what, what what is this vampire squid thing? And, you know, t- 2008 absolutely radicalized me. Um, when, when no banksters went to jail, um, you know, for me, that was, that was the end. Um, and you know, I'm, 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 you know, part of, I guess you would call it now the reactionary, right? Uh, I don't consider myself a member of the Republican party. Uh, you know, I think, I think Trump lost the election, uh, fair and square, um, but, you know, if I had to place myself on the political spectrum, it would it would definitely be on the right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but I I think the you know the, the right has some very uh, you know batshit crazy people um, you know that that are setting policy. But again, getting back to what you wanted this this talk to be uh, about with the the discussion on the declining poll numbers for Democrats on education. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious have have you read Michelle Tandler's thread? about San Francisco and have you also seen the latest migration numbers as it relates to people leaving predominantly blue states heading towards predominantly red states and if and if you had did you have any thoughts about either of those um no uh so i i'm I did not read the Michelle Tandler thread about San Francisco. I I, I saw I saw the, her her tweeting about it uh, about the thread. Like I think it was the other today or yesterday. Um, but I yeah, a couple days ago. Yeah, um, but I haven't read it. I, so what, what, what's what's the gist of it? Well, I mean, you've you and Glenn and others have have already written about it, even though. Y'all wrote about it a couple of months, weeks, et cetera, before she she tweeted about it. But she she essentially took what uh, uh, Schellenberger uh, with San Francisco wrote about. Um, she essentially took what he wrote about it and said, hey, progressives, you know, I, I thought we were for helping the downtrodden. I thought we were for helping people who were in need. And then she just absolutely excoriated the San Francisco political elite for destroying what should oh, yeah. arguably be the most prosperous area in the most prosperous country in the world. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, she's, she's been, she's been talking about this. She's been tweeting about this for a while. Um, you know, I know that, 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 you know, uh, David, uh, you know, obviously cause he, you know, guy who funded a uh, call, you know, call in, but you know the the All In podcast has been discussing the absolute travesty that has happened in San Francisco, oh. primarily because of the fact that um, you know you, you you have a bunch of and they're always well meaning, but you know a, a bunch of progressives that have absolutely destroyed you know what should be the crown jewel of American economic progress, especially in the age of American neoliberalism. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the the stunning thing about this, uh, with everything that, that has, uh, has happened. But anyways, her, her thread talk, you know, to sum up her multi-chain thread, it's essentially guys, what are we doing here? You know, we're, we're supposed to be the good guys and we're making it worse. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we need to we need to think about this. And it and again, it ties the reason why I brought it up is it ties directly into the topic that you put forward with discussion on this. There are you know, and I, I, I've you know, I, I live in Texas, but I've I've worked, especially in the early 2000s. You know, I've worked up and down the California coast from South Sacramento down to San Diego. Um, and I spent time in San Francisco uh, working in, in the adjoining areas in the Bay Valley or in, in the Bay Area. Um, and one of the things that she touched on, although she didn't get into it, was the thing that Abigail Schreier um, highlighted a couple of weeks ago 
with you have a complete separation between the education establishment knowing what's good for everyone and parents saying, hey, 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 hold up a second. This isn't what I signed up for. Right. You know, I, I signed up for you people to teach my kid advanced calculus. Right. And instead, my kid is coming home and saying, hey, mom, why am I white adjacent and how do I not be white adjacent anymore? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a two-fold problem because, number one, they're not learning the thing of consequence, and number two, they're learning the dumb thing that, <laughs> that then has to be unwound. Um, yeah, that, but, that is but, absolutely spot on. It's, it's almost, and I don't, I don't know if you can equate this or if there's an equation for this, but it's almost like they're, they're negative learning. Right, right. You know, it would be better if they didn't go to school than learning some of the stuff that's being taught. But the the crazy thing, and again, I, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm the wrong person to say this because I'm in complete agreement with you, so I'm not a critic. Um, but the amazing thing about the Loudoun County expose is there are a lot of people getting the message that you know it's it's just better if I don't send my kid to this public school. Right. You know, they're making things worse, and I don't need that. I am more concerned, what is their future going to be like 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? And what they're being taught is going to make that worse for me to be to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so I, I have a bunch of thoughts about this. Uh, it's Paul, right? Um, yes, sir. Uh, yeah. So, f- first of all, I think... Michelle's um, uh, thread right now, and it's similar to some some thoughts that I had. So I I grew up, I was raised in a in a very politically liberal household. Um, you know, neither of my parents ever once even considered voting Republican in any race anywhere, and um, I grew up sort of with all the the, the usual beliefs and about. I think I guess it was three or four years ago when I was doing research for a book called I, I Can't Breathe, which was about yep. uh, uh, Eric Garner's death. And, um, you know, I one of the sections of that was about the the impact of a lot of the great society programs in the 60s. Uh, and I, as you say, I think a lot of them were really well-meaning. Like they were they, they were trying to make sure that uh, mothers who um, had de- had dependent children and who were alone, you know, ha- were at least able to put food in the table. But what you find when y- you you start interviewing people who are in um, in this system is that it ended up generating this huge amount of what was essentially kind of a, a law enforcement mechanism that. Uh, you know, in order to get this money, we're, you're going to have to grant us access to getting into your home uh, at any hour of any day. Um, we're going to have a million rules that you have to live by. You can't have two toothbrushes in your in your bathroom because that means you have a live-in boyfriend, and therefore you're you're taking money from the state. Um, if your neighbor 
uh, hears that you have a boyfriend sleeping over. We're going to encourage that neighbor to call in uh, and report you so that we can take you off the rolls. And an automatic fraud charge will be generated against you and you'll be taken to court um, you know, for that. Uh, and so it becomes this, this nightmare of, of dealing with an essential, usually a sort of college educated, you know, mostly white inspectors, uh, who are, who are constantly, you know, in the lives of these people. And I don't think they're making the, I, I, like I had this moment, it was, I wouldn't say it's a red pill moment, but it was the first moment I thought, wow, maybe the whole conception of this, um, you know, was, was not, you know, not really all that well thought out. Uh, and it, it ends up being counterproductive. And I think, I think what you find is that this, this, uh, that phenomenon replicates itself a lot with some of the bigger programs. You talk, you, you mentioned before we even got to education, there's the other issue of policing. Like, you know, police brutality was, was, is an issue that tore the country apart, um, last year, but in most of the places where these are the biggest problems, uh, you know, they've been run by Democrats for, for decades and it was democratic administrations that, um, came up with ideas like stop and frisk, uh, even though, even though that was administered in New York originally by, uh, under under Giuliani, uh, a lot of those community policing ideas, which which sound great to Democratic voters, by the way, like if you tell them community policing, they think, oh, that sounds excellent. You know, it's getting getting to know the community. They don't mean that. They don't know that that means five hundred thousand random stops a year uh, in poor neighborhoods that a lot of which turn violent. Um, so there's that, right? Like that. That's another thing that that that's that I think is crazy that they, that, uh, that they haven't gotten enough, um, you know, blowback for Martin O'Malley ran for president in 2016. If you remember, do you remember him? He was the former mm-hmm. mayor, mayor of Baltimore. Um, he was responsible for a year in which one in six residents of the city of Baltimore was arrested. Uh, and so, you know, the, these are these are politicians who consider themselves progressive, but they they have pursued policies that over and over again end up resorting to sort of, um, uh, you know, either by force um, or by volume. Uh, you you look at the uh, the origins of the prison industrial complex. When I looked at that. It turned out that Mario Cuomo was one of the first innovators in that area. Like he he used um, a bond program that was originally designed to to create jobs for uh, inner city uh, um, black residents, uh, and he used that to build a, a series of new prisons in New York. and And realized that that in constructing those prisons, he could. Uh, he could essentially use those as pork projects to buy off the Republican assemblymen. Uh, and there you go. There's, there's the beginning of the prison industrial complex. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like all this stuff, I, I think, you know, so-called progressive politicians have a lot to answer for. They, they, they just, and they've gotten a big pass because why? Because 
all of us in the media, like ninety three percent of us, don't vote Republican. Like we're, we're, you know, most most of us are, you know, are politically liberal, and so. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not if I'm if I'm not answering your question, but I, but I think I think it's a good point, and it's very very apropos to this whole education thing. No, I, I think that's that's absolutely a, a, a very good answer. Um, you know, just just from the perspective of you know you can you can look at, at Giuliani Giuliani, and you can look at stop and frisk, but um, you know if you if you don't take into account that Bloomberg took Giuliani's idea and multiplied it, you know, a hundredfold, then you're not being intellectually honest. Right. You and, know, and, 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 and it, it also started before Giuliani under the Koch administration with the subways. But, yeah, ex- but, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, that's, that's a whole nother discussion, you know, where, where I would, you know, again, politically, I disagree with you on a lot of things, but I absolutely 100% respect your intellectual honesty in at least looking at a, you know, a situation and analyzing the data and saying, hey, based on my analysis of the data, here's the direction I think we can go. You know, what we get today from corporate Republicans and corporate Dems is, no, 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 we're not going to look at the data. What the experts tell us is X. And we're not allowed to look at the data because we're too dumb to look at the data. But, oh, by the way, we've told the experts, you know, what it is that they're going to say. I mean, you know, j- just like, like today, uh, I uh, saw an interview on the Hill, you know, Anthony Fauci, because the, the science has told him so, has said, hey, you know, remember when we told you you had to quarantine for 10 days because of COVID? Yeah, now you got to quarantine for five days. <laughs> you know, right. as, 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 if, as if magically with Omicron, and I know that Omicron has a shorter duration with infection and all that other stuff. I, you know, I follow the top-notch virologists. Yay. But come on. Yeah. You know, yeah. this, this Anthony Fauci got the memo. And the memo was, hey, whoa, wait a minute. There's a lot of people in blue-leaning states that are becoming infected. We, we, we can no longer say that this is a moral failing of people who lean right. So, therefore, we're going to have to adjust the messaging. Right. You know, and that's just, that to me, that, that's just beyond disgraceful. Hey, I, I did have one last question for you. Just, again, I want to hear your, I mean, I, I could ask you questions for the next 24 hours, but I'll leave it to just one. Um, you know, I started paying attention to things, you know, like I said, you and I are the same age. I started paying attention to things, you know, when I was laying in the back of a, of a station wagon with the gas lines in the mid to late 70s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the first thing that I really remember, you know, politically was Reagan making a joke saying, you know, hey, I declared the Soviet Union an evil empire. We start, we start bombing in three minutes. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, you know, holy crap, you know, what's what's going on here, Ron? Um, you know, I, I, I want to live. I remember that. But, I remember that. You know, and, and also, if you remember, you know, this came out later, but, and I know you know this because you were in Russia for a while, but, you know, you remember Stanislav Petrov, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, You know, we, you and I, and everybody else listening to this, we are alive because Stanislav said, hey, you know, I really don't think the U.S. is attacking us. I'm fairly certain this is a false alarm, you know, back in 1983. 
Right. Um, yeah. But here's here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what whether you go back to the Satan worshiper crisis of the '80s or Tipper Gore, you know, going after the heavy metal people, or Perot, or when you know Clinton went into triangulation and just all of the crazy things that have happened since we've been alive. Is there any parallel that you can draw in history since we've been alive, not, not before we were alive, you know, so not before the seventies, but since we've been alive, is there any parallel in history you can draw to what we're seeing today? Wow. Okay. That's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I wrote in, in Hate Inc. about yep. uh, sort of the origins of moral panic stories. And some of that predated, you know, my own lifetime, right? There was the mods versus rockers stuff in England that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the British press uh, clued into the idea that you can, you can get readers just by by getting people to be freaked out and scared of each other over almost anything. Right. Um, and we, mm-hmm. as, as you pointed out, we, we, we occasionally or more than occasionally over the years return to that formula. Um, whether it was, you know, the mazes and monsters thing in the eighties, right. Uh, mm-hmm. the satanic panic, uh, the repressed memory, uh, you know, thing. Um, but What's fascinating about this period compared to all of that, and and that's why I I guess ultimately my answer to you is going to be no, is that what's unique about where where we are now is this idea that we must be in a moral panic at all times. Like that there there, there is no normal that we we are supposed to be returning back to. The, The news agencies have settled into a rhythm where they instinctively feel like something is off if they have a slow news day. Um, we used to have lots of slow news days. If you're my age, mm-hmm. you, you remember um, watching the news and seeing the, you know, the anchor person just kind of smile and say, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And, and we don't have that anymore. Now, every time you turn on the television, there's a million boxes on screen. People are freaked out about something and everything's an emergency. Um, and if it's, you know, the, like the big phrase in 2020 politically was an existential threat, right? Like this was, this is something that's been pounded into our heads over and over again that um, mm-hmm. we, we are in a, we are in a moment where our very existences um, are in peril. And I think, uh, it's bad enough when you do that to people who've had some life experience um, and who know that, you know, when you, even though somebody on television tells you that there may not be a tomorrow, that there probably is going to be a tomorrow. That's what being an adult is all about. Um, but I think it, where it gets dangerous is there's, we're, we're raising a generation of people um, who don't know any other kind of media and who are permanently in this state of psychological anguish where they, they, they really are like kind of in psychic terror of, of losing everything at any moment. And it, they're, they're so unhealthy mentally that they're not able to think clearly about things. And I, 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 I've never seen an analog in my lifetime to that. I don't, I, 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 I don't know that you, I would imagine you haven't either, but, um, 
I mean, have, have you? I, yeah, that, that, that's why, you know, I, I, I try to be well read, but I, I'm not a reporter. You know, I've, I've been to Europe, I've been to Asia, but I did not live in the Soviet Union for years. So I'm, I'm always looking for thinking people's perspectives on things. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen and I haven't studied regard, you know, not even taking it back to, you know, the, the late 60s, early 70s, but but taking back other periods in time. Uh, I, I've been doing a lot of reading, for example, on the Salem witch trials, and I've been re- doing a lot of reading on on the European burning of witches, which was which was much worse than what happened in the New World. Hmm. Um, you know, in the 1600s. I mean, oh my God, it was it was just beyond horrific. If you go read the actual firsthand accounts that have survived, I, right. I've had right. to go back 400 years to find a parallel to what we are seeing right now. And right. and again, I, you know, I I can sit here and you know I I. You know, I listen and read a variety of people. Um, you know, I, I, you know, read you. I read Greenwald. I read, um, you know, uh, Aaron uh, Maté, uh, you know, Jimmy Dore, you know, others that I, prior to 2016, I never, well, not prior to 2016. I take that back. I, I had followed them. I, I guess, you know, with you, it was, the great financial crisis and with uh, Glenn, it was with Edward Snowden. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, again, I I think I'm a little bit different than, than, you know, the average person who, who follows you in the, in the sense that I, I definitely lean right, but I'm, I'm, I can't go back in my lifetime and find even going back to the eighties as a kid, you know, I, I was, I don't know if this happened to you, but I was suspended. I had in-school suspension for a couple of days in elementary school in the 80s because I dared to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember that particular moral panic. I do, yeah, yeah. That's, that's you know, when, when the... Mazes and Monsters, the time. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, exact same, the exact same thing. And, you know, the, the, uh, the um, daycare centers, Yep. You know, I, 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 I mean, I remember, you know, one of the things that my parents taught me and they were not political, but they leaned right. And the reason, you know, my dad told me, he said, hey, the reason I like the Republicans is I know they don't give a shit about us. The Democrats <laughs> do, but they're going to come in and screw things up. <laughs> you know, I just I just want to be left alone. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I don't want either yeah. one of them to even know that, that I exist. But I had to go, you know, read through history, you know, going back to, you know, the Eugene Debs crisis, you know, and going back to the the Italians uh, and I, I'm, I'm uh, Rossetti, uh, you know, the, the the two Italians, you know, who were oh, who were executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and 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 going back, you know, into 1848, you know, going back into. You know, you, you could look at the French Revolution, the American Revolution, you know, all of those things, none of them had the paranoia that you had in the superstition. All of those, all of those crises had a scientific foundation. 
you could disagree with the people that were on the other end of you, regardless of where you were politically, but you could at least understand philosophically and from a from a logical perspective, okay, here's why that person thinks the way they do. I had to go back to to the 1600s, the Salem Witch Trials. I had to go back to uh, in European history, and you know, maybe there's maybe there's something different in Japanese history, Chinese history, Indian history. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a white boy from Texas, so I'm not up to speed on on those different cultures. But I had to go back 400 years yeah. to come into the absolute moral panic here. I mean, even when you look at McCarthy in the 50s, you can disagree with McCarthy, but I've gone back and I've reread his speeches and I've listened to what he said and. You know, I, I think the guy was, you know, absolutely 100% wrong, but there was there was a part of it where you, you were like, well, you know, if he's right, this is an issue. Right. You know, and when we have to go back 400 years before we get into the absolute, I mean, just just today, just today, Washington state legislators, I just saw this on Reddit. They are wanting to change the law against drive-by shootings in Washington State to make drive-by shootings not as 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 heinous as they are, but the rationale that they gave for why they're wanting to make this change is the the typical person who does a drive-by shooting is a young black male, and so because it's a young black male who does it, typically they are being punished. In an unequitable fashion. Wow, I'll have to I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. it's just that that mindset has taken over the thought process here. And I'm, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying that back in the 1600s, you know, people were concerned about equity. Mm, I'm right, just saying right. that the, the there's there's no rigor. When it comes to, okay, defend your position. Why are you saying what you're saying? Let me listen to it. Um, you know, and then I'll make a judgment. You know, back in the 1600s, if you defended a witch, then that meant you were a witch just because you were defending a witch. Right, which is similar to what we have going on now. Which is the, yeah, that, that was, absolutely, yeah. that was the whole thing that your writing has exposed that, you know, if somebody has the audacity to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, these Indian kids in Loudoun County are, like, studying their ass off and they're doing really good. Well, you know, that's evidence that you're complicit in white supremacy. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, well, I got a little bit of that from, from Nicole Hannah-Jones last night on Twitter, which was interesting. So. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw I yeah. saw, and I chuckled yeah. as I was drinking whiskey. But Anyway, Paul, anyway hey, I'll, I'll let you go. Great job, Matt. I appreciate it, Paul. Thanks. I got, all right. I got time for a couple of more. And that, that's, that, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, like the moral panic thing, like there's no way to I don't, overstate how true that is. It's, I think it's like such a big part of why everybody's so nuts. And I don't, I don't know whether it's like the tail, whether it's a chicken and egg question. Is that, is it that, that a media cause problem or is it a politics problem? I, I, I'm actually not sure, but it's an interesting question. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's go to Carl. Um, Carl. Are you there, Matt? Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, Matt. Great to talk to you. Good to talk to you. I've uh, been working in education for oh, five years. Wow. Okay. Uh, 
And, uh, I, you know, what, what's been going on has been, uh, you know, frankly, shocking. Uh, I'm really glad you're looking into it. I think it's, it's, a, it's a story of, of vast proportions. Um, you know, it's not just a tempest in a teapot. They're, they're changing state curriculum standards. There's, there's real change that's happening because of the, the direction this is going. But the question I have for you specifically, and I'm really mm -hmm. glad you brought up I Can't Breathe earlier. Mm -hmm. is I see this parallel where, you know, you've got community policing, you've got comp stat, you've got this kind of top-down, quantitative, measurement-based approach that then essentially erodes the integrity of the street-level work until, right. you know, whoever those people are doing the street-level work, they're just there to produce the numbers. Right. Right. And, that's and very interesting. After, yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, after a while, uh, is there anybody left that knows how to do anything but produce the numbers uh, after, you know, a generation or two? And it, I, I just wonder if you see a parallel there. That's really interesting. I had no not even thought behind. of that. What's that? With no, you know, go ahead. With No Child Left Behind? Well, yeah, I mean, No Child Left Behind, it's like 2000, you get... 15 years of that before uh, every student succeeds act is passed. We turn teachers into they're either producing the numbers or, you know, so they're teaching the test uh, or they're lying about it, which the, the Texas miracle that all turned out to be a bunch of baloney. Right. Uh, or they quit. Uh, and that's and, and 15 years later, who's left? So I feel like there's a parallel about like the, the top down, you know, numbers based management approach. Yep. what it does to the work on the ground. And I'm wondering if you thought about that. That is, that is really interesting. I had not made the, uh, the connection between the, the approach, but it, it is very similar, right? So, you know, if you, if you talk to old cops, um, you know, one of the things, the first thing they'll say to you is something like, this ruined the job for me. Right. Like, and, and, right. Uh, like they, there, there are obviously policing is tough in, in a variety of ways. And, uh, there are a lot of people who go into policing for the wrong reasons and, and it's not hard to spot those folks, but there are people who are good at it. And, um, and the, and ha the way they got good at it was idiosyncratic individual and based on like an autonomous, um, you know, again, individualized approach where you you get to know everybody in the neighborhood. They they you build up trust. You you build up sources. All that stuff. That's what makes a good police officer, right? Absolutely. Um, if you take that person and instead say, "All right, we want you to stop doing all that stuff that you're doing, and we want you to make numbers." Um, and you know, and I think the wire got into this a lot, you know, they did a really good job with this, basically saying, like, sooner or later, if you tell people that they got to they gotta get, you know, a certain number of summonses in per day, then, then, all, then all policing is is just a whole bunch of people going out there and writing summonses for stuff that's, that's either real or not, but most of the time, it just means that people don't want to deal with a police officer because, it, because they just see nothing positive ahead in that inter interaction. Then now you compare that to education. I think there, I think there's a reason the wire wove in that subplot, and I think it was season four of that series where they had one of the cops go off and be, become a teacher, 
because that same kind of uh, quantitative ah. approach, um, you know, and he, he talked about it, how oh, we're doing the same thing, we're juking the stats. Um, and, and, you know, for the Loudon story, I, I talked to, you know, a couple of older teachers, like they're, it's funny, they talked about how high the turnover is in, in, in teaching. I don't know if you found, if you know, if you found the same thing, that they've had trouble keeping people in the job. Oh, it's a, uh, it's a national, it's a national issue. It doesn't yeah. get enough coverage. It's insane in some yeah, so so there's very few people who the like the people who do stay are very conspicuous, and and what they and what they talk about is how, um, you know, we keep seeing these ske- people just keep coming in with these schemes that they want us to act, uh, implement, and they fall apart. The farther away you get from the top, the harder it is to implement this stuff, and and the dumber it is to try to do it, and um, and I I I think. I think that same kind of uh, sort of pig-headedness about about what we're you know we're so sure that we're try- we're get- we're going to accomplish this thing by means of this brilliant idea that we thought this brilliant policy idea that they take something that you know doesn't need to be that hard right, uh, right. and they- and they make it impossible and and they take all the fun out of the i mean are you having fun doing your job because i because i i usually don't get a, a note of that answer but i'm curious what, what what you would say well i so i i start off as a secondary teacher and then i was a professor teaching teachers and i work in in the policy space so i kind of see oh, all this okay. on a much higher level but when you know when i was a professor we used to some friends and friends of mine and i used to talk about you know do we really want to train these kids, these bright young kids, and we really like these kids, and they want to be educators. This is college students. But we're sending them out into the no child left behind era classroom, you know, where they're just going to get beaten up. Right. Uh, you know, do we really want to send them in there? Because I was a teacher in the 90s, and it wasn't, it was before that, and it was different. Right. And, you know, I don't think the job is very fun. Uh, I also think that there's another parallel to policing, which is that you get people who go into teaching because they love children and they love learning and you get people going to police uh, teaching because the day ends at 2 30 and you get summer off <laughs> that's true you know? too yep. so mm-hmm. there's, there's people who you know this stuff it does roll down the pipe every few years learning styles brain-based learning you know it goes on and on but the the thing that that it always has in common and i think it goes back to this the policing parallel again you get all this great society stuff in education it doesn't work or it's perceived not to work, then you get the kind of conservative slash democratic DLC uh, version blowback right mm-hmm. in the in the eighties and nineties. It's like, well, we're going to manage this. We're going to bring accountability to this. We're going to fix it, and then it doesn't work, <laughs> and now they're stuck, right? Because if you argue against, I think the reason why this is so crazy, you argue against this system. You're arguing against like the Democratic Party theory of governance since the Clinton era, right? Uh, you know, you're challenging the, the the not the base but the power base, uh, and I think it freaks them out. So yeah, I think a lot of a lot of teachers are frightened to speak up. I don't think they're getting a lot out of the latest fad. Although I think this fad is changing a lot more things yeah. than previous ones have. And uh, but uh, but it's the virulence of it. Um, 
I don't know. It, it just seems like this is happening in other in other places. Maybe this is the equivalent in journalism of you know going for clicks. Uh, <laughs> and again, you're you're going you're looking at the numbers. You got this top down centralized approach, and all the the good practitioners look at it and they're like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm out. Right. Right. Yeah. But you don't have the option, unfortunately, to do that in public schools. So. Yeah, uh, very much. But uh, anyway, Carl, thanks so much. I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more, and then I gotta I gotta uh, jam blue it or not to my d- dr- uh, drum lesson. Yeah, yeah, uh, keep digging. Th- I hope that you find more about this. I appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot, Carl. All right, I'm gonna do one more, and thanks for the question. Um, I think it's Guy. Who's there? Guy, are you there? Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Hey, great. Your school board, former school board member and president is back. I was glad to hear it. Oh, excellent. Last call. <laughs> um, excellent. I, I'm calling to beg you to make this your next book because mm. this is, I don't think people really have a freaking clue like what a crisis level this is at. And I don't know how much you're into science fiction or anything like that, but in I, Isaac Asimov's uh, foundation novels, no, I never concepts, read those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the concepts is is a society that ends up not knowing the technology it invented previously. <laughs> and that's kind of where we're getting because, and it's it's crazy because I was glad that you brought up you know No Child Left Behind because that was when I was on the board was when that first came in, and these. Top-down programs always start out with these altruistic goals, and we're going to improve things. And, and that was that part was good because we didn't test hardly at all before No Child Left Behind. But then it became teaching to the test, like your last call, caller talked about, and all the money was tied to that, and everything became focused on it. Um, one of the remnants of No Child Left Behind that's that's still there, and I don't know how California gets away with this, is that there is a federal mandate every year that states have to do testing. And so in my former state of Illinois, to let you know like what crisis level this is, they just released at the beginning of the month, the Chicago Tribune published, you know, the cumulative st- scores for Illinois. And these numbers are, it's five levels. The bottom three are below expectations and then four and five are meets or exceeds. All these numbers are at like 70% below expectations across grade for reading and math. In fact, sixth grade uh, math, 78% of students in the state of Illinois are below expectations. Wow. That's just crisis level shit going on there. I mean, I know they're going to cloak this up with, you know, COVID and they're going to chalk it up to that, which is a whole other, you know, rabbit hole that you can go down. But these fads that they have in teaching to do it, I mean, that is what happens. And in fact, the, 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 the one thing I want to leave you with is I'll never forget when the head of our uh, English language uh, uh, learning program was there and, and talking about what they were going to do. Uh, my school district, when I was a kid growing up in the school district I was on the board for, uh, we were about... 70% white, maybe 20% Hispanic, and that flipped completely by the time that I was on the board. So we had a large influx of you know English as a second language learners. And uh, she was talking about how they, she wanted to mirror programs from some of our neighboring districts. They had more. 
And I said, but those schools are doing worse than us. So why would, I'm like, why would you look to a place that's failing because just because they have more than us, why aren't we looking at Texas and California and what they do? They've been dealing with this for decades, you know? And I think that this gets to the crux of what was at the end of your article about the Loudon parents talking about how disconnected they felt that we're just focusing on the wrong shit all the time. We're focusing right. on gender neutral bathrooms and, and, and all the stuff they have in Loudon with, you know, what went on CPT and everything that's going on there. That the important things are getting totally ignored left behind and we're left we're all going to be left holding the bag where we're just growing up a generation generations of kids that just don't understand what they're doing i mean i i do marketing for a profession and i'm constantly trying to find developers all the time you cannot find good developers to do work and that's because they're not just not being we're not churning them out we're not doing it um there's not enough of them so that the ones that are out there Software developers can just, you know, they, they end up doing what they want, and there just aren't enough out there that are good to go around. And so I just really think that this is like at epidemic level proportion. It gets all washed away with people focusing on the catchy headlines, and, and, this, and what's going on in Loudoun is a great example of that. So Excellent. Guy, thank, thanks so much for, um, for that. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I enjoyed That's... the Twitter thing, by the way. But what a case of splitting hairs! Oh my God, New York, <laughs> New York Times journalist, professional at splitting hairs. Oh my, all oh my words. She's so yeah, great. yeah. Pulitzer Prize winning. Uh, yeah, stuff I forgot there. that. Uh, yeah. Um, no, that's that's a lot of stuff to think. Like, I'm actually embarrassed that I didn't even think about that aspect of it even a little bit more because. The uh, ultimately, a lot a lot of the way that we're talking about these issues, um, sort of it does distract from the main pro- problem, which is that, uh, you know, not not only are we having underperformance, or, or are we having you know sort of selectively some you know in some areas some demographics are behind, not doing well. But sort of across the board, dysfunctionality in the entire school system—that's uh, pretty pretty soon going to rear its head if it hasn't already um, into a, a situation like you talked about, where you know it's it's Isaac Asimov land, and we're America, the mighty empire, full of people who who can't who don't know how to spell uh, and manage the. the the machinery that we once used to basically run the world. Um, I mean, I think that, I think we're pretty, we're pretty close to getting there. I mean, that, that it's, it's interesting. You know, I went, I went into the Loudon story, uh, not really knowing what to think because I had never spent a lot of time covering education before. And, um, I guess because, because I had my mind on all the headlines, uh, I didn't really focus right away on on the consistent theme of people complaining about their kids coming home and just not not knowing how to do the basics um and how but and, and or or my first reaction was to focus on how upset they were 
um, and having to do you know, to, to do that makeup work themselves and teach their kids themselves and why that was a source of tension, um, much more so than, you know, whatever bathroom policy or whatever, or whatever the, the issue du jour in the Washington Post is. But, well, you know, sort of lurking underneath the parental frustration is this larger issue, which is that, you know, they've, They've screwed things up so much through these years of of campaigns and bureaucratic initiatives that don't really work um, that now, you know, we're spending tons and tons of money. I mean, these some, some of the facilities in, in, in Loudoun were, they, I mean, they look to me like college campuses. They're unbelievable. Well, uh, we were the, great at spending money, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's not for lack of resources, for sure, right? Um, and well, BC teachers are the highest paid teachers in the nation, so that'll tell you right there. I mean, right. It, it's not, and it kind of gets back to what you were talking about. About there's kind of the, there's this, they don't want parents involved because, and they dismiss their opinions because we're the experts, we know, and we don't want you to have a say. It's kind of that. You know, holier than thou, we know everything part that's really become intertwined with the Democratic Party that makes them, they don't even look at it, you know. So that's right. what's really frustrating about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and you, you, you add that attitude to the, to the fact that, you know, you, you have my kids seven hours a day and you can't, and, and they're, they're not able to, to do long division. Like, it kind of undercuts the expertise portion of the expertise claim, you know, like, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I think I, uh, unfortunately I can't do it as my next book because I got, I'm doing a different topic, but I, but I will say that, um, I, I think that's probably what I'm going to do. Spend most of my, or a lot of my time on TK doing for, uh, the immediate future is kind of looking at different aspects of this, uh, I, I think it's a really interesting issue, and um, and I think it's gonna it's going to dominate uh, the you know the the sort of dialogue heading into the, the midterms and uh, and maybe even the presidential election following that. So um, I will definitely yeah, be doing the angles to it, man. I'll love to see it. You'll. You can unearth some of your uh, Wall Street days uh, in education, just like anything else. Follow the money, man. (laughs) You know, like Illinois, the last two governors before the last two billionaires they had, Blagojevich, who went to jail, his number one donor, the Illinois Federation of Teachers, his number two donor, Illinois Association of Teachers. Wow. So their unions have, you know, constantly pushed, you know, a direction that they want the politicians to go. And... Even if you look at McAuliffe's or some of his biggest donors, when you dismiss how much late money came in from like the Democratic governors, but yeah, no, there's just tons of rabbit holes for you to go down. I know you love that stuff, so absolutely. Uh, <laughs> All right, thanks, guy. I really appreciate it, and uh, t- thank you everybody for coming in. Um, I'm 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 going to be late uh, to my lesson, so I got I got a jam, but uh, but but thanks so much for coming and. Um, and I will uh, I will post soon when I'm going to have another one of these and uh, and I really appreciate everybody who listened and and waited patiently to ask questions. Uh, really interesting stuff. And I will talk to you again soon. All right, uh, take care. Thank you.